Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Welcome to the Ransom Heart Podcast. Um, it's good to be with you. I, I hope you're enjoying this series as we um, give you some excerpts of um, the Wild at Heart Boot Camp. And today we'd like to share some excerpts from um, a fairly recent session that, that Morgan Snyder does on uh, Sonship. And um, first time you did this, Morgan, I was blown away. Mm. It just so reflects um, such good truth and just found myself just stunned with uh, how God has been fathering Mm -hmm. me. And I think prior to hearing your session, I would have described myself as being unfathered, which is true in many ways. But you just turn the lights on, on uh, seeing God involved in my life. It's an mm-hmm. incredible topic, and you did it so well. Mm-hmm. And Morgan, too, like I just think there's so much beauty in this just to actually see somebody live it out. Mm-hmm. You know, this session, so you walk through your story, and you say how you've been fathered mm-hmm. and how you haven't been yeah. fathered. And it just feels like some tangibility in yeah. – wanting to receive God as Father. Mm. And so for the men that attend, it just feels so awesome and so fresh. And um, and you encourage you know the men to ask daily, you yes. know, God, Father me, just Father me today. And I think there's a lot of power in that. And uh, therefore, why men are so impacted, it's mm. just a, it's a really powerful session. Yeah. Well, thanks, Chris. Yeah. And thank you, Craig. It's fun and uh, it's exciting to hear that feedback from you guys. And I do think there are seasons to our walk with God, and I would say for the last several years, this has been the heartbeat of my walk with God, is um, receiving a spirit of sonship and looking to God as Father. Mm-hmm. It's utterly transformed my relationship with God, and so it's really an honor to have a chance to offer some of my story and invite mm-hmm. men deeper into the Scriptures and to show them what is available to all of us as sons of God. Mm-hmm. So let's go into an excerpt. I think you'll enjoy. When John told the larger story, he told a story of how we were born out of this heroic fellowship, this triune, this holy trinity. And in that heroic fellowship is the most core relationship in the universe, and it's the Father and the Son. It's the primary relationship in the heart of the universe, and it is the number one relationship assaulted in our story. To watch this relationship between the Father and the Son is just amazing. God took me to John 14 about a year ago, and I've just been reading it and reading it. And the scripture just really, at first, I didn't even get it. It was so foreign to me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. 
I just haven't been able to get away from John 14 because the intimacy with which Jesus has, the connection he has with his father, the strength he draws from his father is something that I know that I desperately need and I'm knowing more and more and yet in some ways is very foreign. I've told you guys a bit about my story throughout the weekend. Um, Grew up in a loving household with two loving parents for which I'm immensely grateful Uh, My dad is Jewish, my mom's Catholic, and so we'd go to Mass every Sunday with my mom. My dad's a doctor, and so he works seven days a week, but on Sundays, he would make his rounds later on in the day, and he'd go running, and uh, that was his one piece of life in all my childhood. He would run on Sunday morning. So I'd go to church with mom, and there was something in my masculine heart that felt that that's mom's thing, but I identified with my father. I wanted to be with my father. So I did a religious act with my mom and all the while felt a disconnect of wondering what my dad was doing and what he was thinking and how he was feeling. A very good man, a very quiet man. As I look back on my story, I realized my dad was a very loving man and he provided. Um, he, He provided in the way he knew best and he continues to provide in that way. But the culture he grew up and the story he grew up Much of that was providing financially, providing the resources for our family. And he loved the best way that he knows how to love. And yet, honestly, there was still an ache. There was something missing, something more that I hoped for and something I was longing for and looking for from a father. And uh, a day came when I was 10 where his father, the tile layer, um, he passed away. So we were at the funeral, and I was sitting next to my father, and he began to cry. It was the first and only time, my dad's 67, first and only time in my life I heard my dad cry. It was like he didn't even know how to cry. He did this like coughing thing, and I remember putting my arm around my dad, and it's the most defined moment in my life. I couldn't have told you at that time, but what happened inside of me at that moment was the strongest man in my world is not strong enough. That's what the little boy felt. I'm 10 and my dad's my hero. He's strong. He's valiant. He has this medical practice. He's influential. You know, you go to the Socola's hardware store and he's taking the appendix out of every person in the place and they just give you free stuff and, and uh, he's amazing. And here he is and he's a pile and there's no interpretation. Never a word spoken, never an understanding. All I know is I staked all my internal boyhood on the reality that this this guy's a rock. The strongest man in my world is not strong enough. I couldn't have put words to it at the time, but some shift began and the message came in that I'm on my own. Life is up to me. If anything good is going to happen in this world, I'm going to make it happen. Shortly after that, I came across a picture of the Greek statue Atlas And I just fell in love with the statue. It became my life verse in a way, my parable of I'm going to take it, I'm going to own it, I'm going to do it. I'll be the strongest thing in my world because my dad is there for some things, but he's not strong enough, so I'll carry the world. And this was my mission for most of my life until I came to Christ and it began to dismantle, and yet mostly it didn't change life is up to me, and that's just where I lived. And that's where fatherlessness entered my story. 
fatherlessness is profound and it's pervasive. Going into the story, the story, every man's story, and we go back to the creation story, in that moment when Adam chose Eve over God and compromise entered the picture. And uh, that compromise is pervasive. And we carry, every one of us as men, carry Adam's story. And one of the most poignant scriptures in all the Bible is Genesis 3, chapter 8. And it says, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid. They heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking, and they hid. Do you notice that they don't use the the Greek for father, but it's a formal, the Lord God? God comes in their presence, and their unedited reaction is hiding. There's some broken relationship. This intimacy that was intended, that heroic intimacy of the Trinity, that father-son intimacy was broken, and we all carry that profound fatherlessness in us. It's so deep, and it's so pervasive. And we are fiercely committed to make life work on our own. Most of our best energy goes to that because we have come to a fundamental belief of fatherlessness as a norm, as a reality. Gordon Dalby tells this great story of a nun working in a prison where a prisoner requested a Mother's Day card. I wanted to send it for Mother's Day, and the word got out, and many people wanted them. So this nun connected with Hallmark, and they got hundreds of cards. They actually had to do a lottery for these prisoners to give away Mother's Day cards. And so the nun was thinking, great, Father's Day's coming up. We'll do the same thing. We'll get a bunch of Father's Day cards. They gave away hundreds of Mother's Day cards, and there wasn't one request for a Father's Day card. Do you see how pervasive it is? It's become our norm. And there's this deep dilemma in the universe that we are fiercely committed to make life work on our own. And God's rigged the world that it doesn't work without him. It's a trap. It's a redemptive and disruptive trap. But he's rigged the world so it can't work without him. And yet this fierceness to make life work on our own. I mean, if you think about it, what's your reaction to guys that look like they've figured out a piece of life? What's your reaction? Isn't there this drawing to them or something that bugs you or feels intimidated? Don't we just want to find a person, an organization, a mission, a context where they have it figured out and we can get close to them? We're fiercely committed to this and we throw ourselves into figuring out life or it's utter resignation. It's utter resignation because life doesn't work. What drove you to boot camp? I mean, think about it. Why did you come here? On some level, other than pure crisis, which is the holiest way to get here, pain, um, isn't it a list of, I need to answer this question about my marriage, my calling, my work, my kids, where I'm supposed to live. It's these questions. I need answers. We come searching for answers, and so much of it is rooted in fatherlessness. When you pull the layers off of um, our life, we see that the root of the symptoms is fatherlessness. It's conditions of fatherlessness, of the anger that bubbles up, of feeling that life is up to you, the utter resignation, all the addictions, the sexual addictions, the sexual brokenness, all these things we reach to in the hope of life. So much of it is rooted in profound 
fatherlessness. Um, just men giving themselves to their work. We give ourselves to our work forsaking our wives and our kids. Why do we do that? No one dies saying they wanted to work more. Not one of those men I talked to, the older men, their counsel when I turned 30 said, I should have worked more. Not one man, right? But why do we do it? We all do it. We bow to that altar. It's fatherlessness. It's really deep. And we've come to accept it as normal. I want to do an exercise and this is only helpful if it's honest and it's unedited. I want you to try to capture some words, the first genuine words that come of what do you think of, what comes to mind when you think of your father? What words, just single word descriptions, what comes to mind when you think of your father? And then what comes to mind when you think of other fathers that you bump into in your world. Anyone want to take a risk of just throwing out a word of what comes to mind? Weak, Weak. broken, broken. angry, absent, absent. stoic. Okay, just pause there. Did you hear that? Just, just that first wave, absent, stoic, criticism, fearful, passive. Whoa. I mean, it's profound. It's profound. And here is the dilemma, is that the primary place we establish our view of the Father in heaven is right there. Okay? We start there. That's our default. And we throw ourselves in the world of church, and we try to understand God is a Father, and He is loving. But the truth is deep within our masculinity, deep within this ache to be validated, to be loved, to be the apple of his eye. What we know is stoicism, criticism, checked out, passive, fear, right? One of the patterns, if you'll see it, is there is this destiny that we are meant to become like our fathers. How many men do you know that are alcoholics and they're abusive to their spouse um, and their father was an alcoholic? And he was abusive, and they said, I will never be like my father. You see that? And they become their father. Or it's the opposite. It's reactionary. You find these men that their father was an angry, violent man, and so they're passive because they have the same agreement, I will never be like my father. They either become exactly like him in his brokenness or react to him in his brokenness. But what if that destiny was actually intended for good? It was intended by God, and we were to become like our fathers, but it was to become like our heavenly father, and that our earthly father was intended to be a reflection of that. George MacDonald has this great quote. It's just amazing, where he says, the hardest, gladdest thing in the world is to cry father from a full heart. The refusal to look up to God as Father is the one central wrong in the whole human affair, in the inability, the one central misery. You see, there's this inability to look up to the Father because who wants to look up to this distant man who's absent, critical, stoic, angry, abusive? And yet, the gladdest thing in the world is to cry out, Abba, Father. And what I want to talk about is the restoration of the relationship between the Son and the Father. 
It's the core relationship in the heart of the universe. It's the central relationship that is opposed. And in the work of Jesus, it's the central relationship that must be restored if we're to find the life that we're intended to live. When John talked the first night about the verse, Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. We're choosing to walk in a gospel of restoration. And one of the primary places of restoration is that God wants to do is the restoration of the Son to the Father. I was in um, the Scriptures a couple years back, and I came across Ephesians chapter 1, which I had read a bunch of times. But all the religious drapery, it just kept it hidden from me. I was also trying to wrestle through fatherlessness myself. And it felt like the Holy Spirit illuminated it for me. Um, I want to just find the gold in it. Ephesians 1, Paul says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be made whole and holy. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure and his will. Now, if you can just drape the religious language off that and get to the essence of the heart of the universe here, I started reading it and realized, wait a second, you mean before the fall? Before sin, before the world was broken, it was God's will and his joy to identify himself as father and me as son. I See, I thought God was a backup plan because some guys get great dads and other guys get screw-ups and God comes in and fills in the gaps, right? See, because some of these guys in the room, and you feel like most of the guys have phenomenal dads and you're standing there at a deficit. But this scripture, the truth of this scripture says, no, since before the fall, God had intended and willed that he would be your father according to his pleasure. And so he orchestrates this world where his hope is that your earthly father will be the greatest reflection of that. But all these other sources, other men, other experiences would be part of God's fathering heart for you. Do you see the shift that it's not up to your earthly dad? And it wasn't even intended to be up to him. But we have a father in heaven who, it's his joy, it's his delight, and we live in a profoundly fallen world. But if we are to find the life that we are made for, to know truly, how do you love a woman? How do you parent boys and girls? How do you walk in your strength, your calling, lead churches, organizations, go through crisis, we have got to come back to that fathering relationship, that intimacy, and to understand that it's not about our earthly father. It's about our heavenly father and the restorative work there. God will raise the fatherlessness in us so that he can heal it. He raises the fatherlessness and where we go as orphans and where we go as slaves is, see, one more example of I am on my own. Life is up to me. But the truth is God's raising it to heal it. That was just an excerpt. I mean, uh, when Morgan has shared this, um, the whole hall is pretty quiet. God just shows up in a stunning way. You really, I really encourage you. Um, to listen to this whole session. And you can get this whole session on our website. Sonship, Receiving God as Father, is one resource in the entire Wild at Heart Boot Camp Platinum Collection. And you can listen to the entirety of this collection 
by visiting ransomedheart.com slash platinum collection. You also find lots of different questions and guides to help you listen and apply these to your life yourself. And join us next week for the next podcast on fighting for the hearts of your children. 